You're listening to the BCTLE Podcast, a resource made possible by the BD Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence at Taylor University. I'm your host, Timothy Berkey. Well, Laura, welcome to the BCTLE Podcast. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here. So a couple of weeks ago, I think last week, uh, several of us gathered around the BCTLE conference room uh, to talk about an integrative approach to teaching. Uh, and you were sharing some of your research in this area of integrative approach that was born out of a desire for pursuing teaching uh, excellence in teaching, if I'm remembering correctly. It's something that you did uh, last summer or the summer previously? Yes, last summer. So I was looking for a, a direction for looking at some new ways to look at learning, things that I could add to my class, and Barb Bird gave me a a list of articles and said, try integrative learning. And so I was able to dive into that last summer. Awesome. The the diving into this, uh, it exposed uh, th- sort of three primary principles of integrative approach to teaching. If uh, Correct me if I'm mistaken, but it's this idea of connection, application, and synthesis, right? That integrative teaching is primarily concerned with those three key ideas. For those who weren't able to be a part of that session, this idea of integrative approach and connection application and synthesis, it seems uh, to be pretty closely tied to personal experiences. Is that something that you would you would say to be true of an integrative approach to teaching, that it's about connecting what I'm learning with very personal lived experiences? I think in some ways it is. Uh, The idea of connecting information, being able to apply information, even being able to synthesize information is a part of other kinds of learning as well. It's a part of critical thinking. It's a part of interdisciplinary learning. And so the things that I saw in the literature that were added with integrative learning would be that personal application. And that might be personal application. It might be professional application. Uh, It's a lot about reflection and being able to take that information and make it meaningful. So the idea would be to make it meaningful to um, to each individual, to make it meaningful for application to new kinds of situations, and being able to use that information in other ways. So it sounds like an idea that I, I hear talked about a lot, this idea of connecting to prior knowledge or prior learning. Is is integrative teaching intimately tied to that idea of prior knowledge, prior learning? Does it go further with that idea than than maybe we, we've thought about previously? I think it's taking that prior learning, but also maybe concurrent learning. And so how do the ideas I'm learning now connect with other ideas that I'm learning now? And as I put those together, are there new insights that come from that? That's a little bit of that synthesis process. What are the new insights that come? What are the new ways this could be used? How could this help me approach a problem in a different way to look for solving it? And uh, Barber and others who look at this idea a lot will say that reflecting regularly and reflective practice is really critical to all of those things happening because that synthesis process can't happen fully if we don't take the time to stop and reflect and reflect on what the information means, reflect on what are my goals, how could this information be a part of that. And so that's where that personal component 
I think, comes in, what makes this different, and ultimately leading to what they call transformational learning, that learning should not just be head knowledge or even just knowledge that I apply to a situation. It should ultimately be learning that transforms me and my thinking in some way. That takes learning from an outcome-oriented endeavor to more of a a process-oriented endeavor, right? Because transformation, while it may seem like it's about the end product, transformation is about the process of transformation. Mm -hmm. That sometimes is a tricky... um, Oh, the analogy in my mind right now is about golf, and I don't golf, so I don't know why that's. But that's that's why that's. But that's that's um, that can be a tough sell sometimes um, in higher education. That let's put the outcome, the the product, if you will, on on the back burner, and let's think about the process. Um, higher education right now, we're sort of in this season of the outcome. The degree is what's most important. The grade is what's most important and not the process, right? Mm -hmm. So how have you been able to sort of uh, inspire students to see the value of this approach? Well, I don't know that I have inspired a lot of students to fully buy into the approach. Uh, but, But I think some thoughts going along with what you're saying. I think that it is that transformational process, but I think along the way there are outcomes. And so I think as we are transformed, we see outcomes of, I was able to solve that new problem in a a better way. I was able to approach something better, personal growth, or I was able to approach a professional problem in a different way. I was able to look at something and connect with people differently. So I think there are outcomes along the way. Uh, Maybe just the idea that we don't necessarily arrive at, at those things. I think it is also difficult as you talk about things being outcome oriented and looking at Students want the the grade and the degree, and I understand all of those things. And I think even a lot of things in education right now are are based around how we measure things. We want objectives and measurable outcomes for everything. And I... My background is in assessment. I certainly understand why that is important. I think if we take that too far, though, we miss... Mm -hmm trying to engage in things that may not be overtly measurable, mm-hmm. but are still transformative and valuable. And so I think in what I do with students, um, and I'm just starting this process and trying out some things, I think that as I give them opportunity to do these things, then they start to reflect. And it might mean that they make a connection, that they remember something a little bit more, and that's maybe a first step in this process. One of the things that I have been uh, working on integrating myself is um, the idea of where the finish line is for some of the big ideas that we're teaching in our classrooms. Um, and it's something that over the last several years I've I think I'm getting better at releasing control over some of, you know, a student didn't meet the objective. If I assess it based on the outcome, I don't think they met this objective, this big idea. Um, And yet choosing to believe that 
the process will continue after graduation, after commencement, that there will be more opportunities. Um, and it's along those same lines, right? Uh, that uh, a transformational approach, an integrative approach isn't going to be finished on our timeline, right? Uh, over J term, I uh, was in Kosovo with um, a team of students. Um, we were teaching a class and we were serving there and um, it was an incredible opportunity. And I remember having a conversation with our hosts about how he handles um, when teams come and don't fully engage. Um, and one of the things that he told me was that we may want them to, to have on this trip all of the experiences of learning, all of the outcomes that we hope for, but that may not be what's most meaningful, most memorable learning. The most memorable learning may be regret, looking back and going, I wish I would have taken that seriously. I wish I would have done that differently. That may be the outcome that that particular team member needs. And it really, um, it reminded me that um, I don't I don't know that I want to say that I hope some students have regrets when they think about my class, but, but maybe it isn't up to me to decide. Um, I mean, surely it's not up for me to decide um, in the same way that it's not up for me to decide where the finish line is for these students. Um, but this idea of outcome and process, um, looking for small achievable outcomes along the way through the process, how do we help students reframe that from busy work to valuable learning outcomes? Because I think sometimes those small outcomes that we sort of scaffold along the way can end up feeling like busy work. So how do we help reframe that? Oh, I think we can certainly try, uh, <laughs> I think that there are a few things I think that the literature would talk about uh, that we really need to state the reason for things that we're doing. We need to make sure that students understand why we're doing a particular activity and uh, sometimes provide some, some incentives for them to engage anything that we can do that makes it gives them some choice within it that gives them, you know, some feeling of ownership, but to let them know why we're doing the things that we're doing, that there's a purpose for it. And, and I think ultimately it is the students, it is up to the student if they're going to engage, if they're going to reflect, if they're going to actually try to make those connections and add that meaningful component to it. But I think it's our job as teachers to provide them with structured and good opportunities to do that and to not only just give them an opportunity but maybe even to model that process for them. I think sometimes students don't know what it means to reflect. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to sit and think about why this is meaningful. And so if I can give some examples along the way and say, as I think about this information, here's one of the things that strikes me. Or I have a question, I wonder how. And so sometimes learning to do this process um, needs to be a little more structured and directed. And we can let them know why we're doing this process a little bit. You know, we're wanting to help you make this meaningful or this content is important for this objective. And then give them some more structure, give them some modeling, and then give them other steps. So 
ultimately, again, I think it's their their responsibility, but I don't think we can say, you know, hey, my job is just to lay out the content. They do with it what they want. I think we have responsibility not only to teach content, but to teach that process. Mm. A willingness to engage in the process too. I mean, modeling mm-hmm. is one thing; it's a great thing. But even to, to, to genuinely, sort of in front of students to to do that in it, some ways that might be uncomfortable, right? Yes. Because yeah, because I think that even that willingness to show vulnerability to to be to put ourselves in that position of willing to do that i think that also communicates something about we what we believe to be the value mm-hmm. of that you mentioned this isn't just about prior knowledge prior learning but also concurrent learning mm-hmm. um is that about interdisciplinary integration or is it more nuanced than just what you're learning over in this class and what you're learning in this class, and now let's tie a bow on it. I, I, th- I think it's more than that. Uh, a lot of the literature looks at interdisciplinary kinds of learning, but also looks a lot at the idea of active learning and service learning and involvement in community involvement. And so they use these kinds of principles with students who go on trips to uh, enhance the engagement in reflection on and takeaways from those trips more than just remembering an experience. Are there other things I can do with this? Um, Service learning projects, community engagement kinds of things. Um, So I think it can be at any of those levels. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because I I think... The language of integration is one that at, here at Taylor we're familiar with, especially in the faith context, right? Uh, integration of faith and learning. Um, and some of those ideas related to service and community we would see as uh, fundamental. Some, some of us might see as fundamental to that space of integration. Is, is there any other common base that you can think of that we might share uh, that we can come back to when on drawing out some of these uh, spaces for integration with our students. I think, I think that we all have a desire as learners for learning to be meaningful. I think that we have. I think everybody wants that. I think everybody wants something they can engage in, and I think we want that as as learners ourselves. But we want. I think we all want that for students. We're all excited about our disciplines. We're all engaged in those. And I think we want to be able to share that. But we know that not all students are going to be excited about the same things. But could we share at least that excitement for learning and and making it meaningful? I think maybe another one is I think we all have a desire for learning to be deeper. And I think we're all looking for ways to make learning deeper, whether that's through really critically thinking about something, learning, you know, an incredibly complex kind of kind of topic. And so when we do that, and then we say, now, what goes beyond just the content of that? I guess it takes it back to that meaning. But I think we all, I think we all share that within our disciplines. Hmm. I'm thinking about right now I'm teaching uh, in integrative communication. I'm teaching about family communication. And um, uh, I... The listeners won't know that I'm I'm chuckling because your son is in that class. So uh, <laughs> I apologize for what how I'm steering him. I guess, but um, when we're talking about the, um, what I have found is that when I when I talk about families, 
romantic relationships, friendships, conflict, work relationships, that I am treading on potential hotspots with students where integration can become painful. And sometimes in that pain, there's a tension where good learning can happen. And other times it's just painful, right? So even in this conversation around meaningful integration, purpose-driven integration, I mean, I can think of some of these conversations where it would be meaningful to to think about how this integrates into my friendships, my community relationships, but also that's really painful. Um, and so I'm struggling at times to know um, how much to push um, students to engage with something that I, I, I do, I know it's painful. I know that it can be hard to talk about these things, but I think there's really good learning there. Have you seen in the literature sort of uh, examples of how that's been done well, or maybe in your own experiences, how that's been done well? That's a really good question. I don't think I've seen a lot in the literature because most of the literature related to integrative learning is much more uh, outside of myself than it is connecting to a really personally reflective thing. So what makes it meaningful, but not necessarily what might be painful or what might be difficult to do in the field of communications, in the field of psychology, we deal with those things all the time. And there are, and I've had that same question and struggle. There are things that I think this is really meaningful and this is really valuable, but I know that this might be really hard for students. Personally, I, while I don't do this perfectly at all, I will try to, and I've learned some of this just from times when I say, ooh, I wish I could go back mm -hmm. and take that one back <laughs> again, um, will be to give students a lot of warning of what this is going to entail mm. um, and giving students a lot of freedom to choose what they want to share and how deeply they want to go go into it. And so uh, I do an activity where they have to take something that's been a challenge for them and they have to look at it from all of these different contextual factors that we're talking about in class because we're talking about that related to abnormal psychology, related to other people. So I want them to take something, not a diagnosis, I just want them to take a challenge in their life and look at how all of these different you know, levels are, are involved. And so in doing that, I will tell them up front, these are all the kinds of things you will have to address in this assignment. And these are the kinds of things that you, you know, that might happen. And so this might be really easy for you. This might be really hard for you. And you can choose what you want it to be. So mm -hmm. I'll say, I don't want your challenge to be, oh, I didn't know what to order at the restaurant and it made it really hard. Let's go deeper than yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but you can decide how deep you want to go with that. Mm -hmm. And then I will tell them exactly who will see it. And I'll say, mm -hmm. Uh, you will turn it in here, and on any of those assignments, I'll say, I will be the only person who reads that. Um, however, I know that you don't know me very well yet <laughs> at some point, so some of yeah. them know me better yeah. than others. Yeah. And I'll say, so I want you to think about, I don't want you to do anything that you feel like you would feel uncomfortable with, so you decide what mm -hmm. level, and I will grade you, not based upon how deep the issue was, I will grade you on these other things. Mm -hmm. So know that there's no pressure with that. However, if you want to do this, you'll know that I'm the one who will be mm -hmm. reading it. 
You'll know that you can always come and talk to me at any point afterwards. You know that I will help you find any other supports that you would need. However, I just want you to know mm-hmm. what's what's coming. And so usually giving them that, that freedom, mm-hmm. um, I will have people who do a whole range of, mm-hmm. of things. Um, so I think maybe that's one of the ways to try to yeah. to try to help with that. Mm. One of the things that I've tried is, um, you know, specifically around families or friendships or 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 conflict is, um, if you don't want to think about your own family, think about someone else's family. Absolutely. Think about a family you know. Uh, if you don't want to think about a conflict you've been a part of, think about a conflict you've heard about from a friend, um, and try to abstract it away from themselves a little <laughs> bit. Because one of the things that I have found is that some students are willing to go deeper, but then they need support that I can't give, Mm -hmm. uh, to help move further through that thing to something more positive out of the learning experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so sometimes I have to encourage them, even if, um, you're excited about this, if the thing that, you know, we're talking about today is still really present for you, it might be better just to abstract, even if you feel comfortable doing that, because it may it may become the center rather than a way to understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I love that approach. I think that's a great, I think that's a great approach. Mm-hmm. Sometimes too, and especially I think because of the field of psychology and we're training people mm-hmm. often to go out into these helping professions where they're going to be dealing with a lot of people who are, in very difficult situations, hurting. And and one of the things that comes up often is something we're talking about in that context triggers them and them, themselves. And I will usually say there's no, there's not pressure to, to deal with that with me in this class. There's not pressure to do those things, but our emotions are really good indicators for us. And so if these things are bringing up those issues with you or they're kind of triggering those feelings, those are things to pay attention to. And those are things that you would want to say, you know, I want to be in process of working on these things because that's going to help me personally, but it's also going to make me a better helper for others because then I'm able to focus on them because I'm I'm dealing with those kinds of things for myself. So. Mm. Well, let's move up a little bit uh, from the personal because one of the things that you've mentioned is that the literature, while there is this, you know, these very personal ways that we can integrate, a lot of the literature is also looking at, uh, um, let's say, less emotionally driven, less emotionally Mm -hmm. impactful ways of integrating. Um, One of the things that I can think about that came to my mind during our session was um, an activity that I do with students where I think I've talked about it on the podcast before this idea of student first critic second, where they, uh, where it's about listening, listening to people you disagree with first as a student and then listening as a critic. And one of the things that I, I used to ask them to do, I've modified the assignment a bit. I used to ask them to go find an example of an idea they disagree with, an article, a podcast, a video, and to listen as a student first and then listen as a critic. Um, And then, so we're taking this idea of student first, critic second, 
trying to get them to integrate that idea, to, to make a connection to their own life, then apply the principle, and then synthesize what did they learn from this about themselves as a listener, but also about this thing they disagree with. <clears throat> and I've modified it a little bit. And one of the reasons why I've modified it is because I found a tension for myself in feeling uh, at times a responsibility to give feedback on the underlying belief that was guiding how my student was integrating with their coursework. It wasn't about the integration. The integration was fine, but I found myself uh, uh, struggling with, should I be giving feedback right now about this belief that you have that you hold very tightly and you don't like uh, when other people disagree with you because there's maybe some problems there that need addressing. And so I, I, there was that tension. How, how, how do we navigate that tension of sometimes uh, we hear things in assignments as students are integrating that indi indicate an underlying belief that might require feedback? Does it require our feedback? Have you, have you felt that tension before? <laughs> I have. Okay, I good. Have. Not yes. alone. Good. No, I think in good. grading last night. Okay, uh, I, recently. Yes, mm -hmm. um, and I do think that's hard because there are things that I can say, these are just different perspectives and mm -hmm. beliefs, and then there are some times where I think that could be potentially harmful or uh, that could be really difficult for somebody else to hear in that way. Or I don't know that you're using scripture correctly mm. in the way that you're defending what mm. that is or supporting your idea. And so I will try really hard to not comment, if possible, mm -hmm. on on their actual belief or, you know, the conclusion. If they're reflecting on something, mm -hmm. I'll try not to do that. If I will try, even if there's something like that, um, I, I might look at things and say, uh, you know, I appreciate what you have put into this, and I appreciate those things. In the support, maybe be careful about mm. how this verse would be used. Mm. It's a way of looking at evidence. Um, mm. You know, uh, think about how the analogy you used could come across to someone else in communicating this idea. And so I'll try as much as I can to talk about the synthesis process or the support process mm -hmm. as opposed to the belief. Every once in a while, I will end it with, I would love to chat with you about this sometime. If you're open to that, you let me know, mm -hmm. and I would love to talk with mm -hmm. you more. And then we can have a face-to-face -face conversation yeah. if, if they're open to that. And if they don't want to, then we don't have to go there. Yeah. Well, it... It seems to come up more often in assignments that I do take more of an integrative approach because that's where I tend to then see those underlying beliefs. I might hear uh, inklings of it in a classroom discussion, um, but when I'm asking them to do this integration, you know, you bring up uh, using scripture in interesting ways. Um, you know, one of the the central pieces of how we do teaching here is about faith integration. And yet, I don't teach theology. I, I, uh, and so w if I see something, at times I struggle to know, you know, what's the most valuable feedback that I can give this student about the thing that I'm teaching? Because that's 
That's really what I can offer here. But then I think sometimes I, I, I sense the spirit, you know, nudging me towards that uncomfortable place of giving feedback about something that I don't know how to give good feedback about that thing. Um, and, and it sounds like, you know, maybe trying to find ways of making it connected to the assignment of what we're doing is a good place to start. But then inviting conversation. Do students take you up on that? Is that something that has been valuable? Uh, sometimes I've had students take me up on it. Mm-hmm. And usually... Usually, there are students who are a little more open to uh, that I, to relationship, and and so they will do that. And I don't know. I mean, I certainly don't know that this is the right way to handle it or the best way to do those things. Um, I feel like we are. I'm, I'm not a theology professor either. You know, we we are teaching this content, and yet we're also people who are teaching from a whole person perspective. Mm-hmm. And we're people who are here because we are not just invested in teaching content, but we are invested in helping them be transformed more and more in the likeness of Christ. And so we want to provide those opportunities for that. Um, so I, I don't know. Sometimes, again, I will say things. I usually try to do it pretty pretty cautiously and from a place of, of true humility and you know, mm-hmm. in not knowing things, but I feel like our role is sometimes to give more guidance Mm. about personal development Mm. in addition to content, which gets into why I think integrative learning is important to me in terms of faith integration, because I think that's what it's supposed to do, is give us an opportunity to be transformed in in more ways than content. So tell me more about that. So one of the the things that... um, one of the things that is really important to this conversation is understanding how these ideas are tied to our faith and not just our faith, but how we're integrating our faith in the classroom. So this idea of transformational learning, um, we've been talking about faith and, and it seems like these things touch on our faith. Um, or have the opportunity to touch on our faith because we're asking students to integrate. And sometimes that means integrating an idea with something that touches on a piece of their faith. But how does even the approach of integrative teaching, how do you see that connected to what, how you're living out your faith in the classroom, how you're asking your students to live out their faith in their, their classes, their degrees, and, and you know, what happens next? That's a big question. Yep, it is. Yeah, sorry. So, no, a couple of thoughts. One, I think, I, I think the reason, even the idea of transformational learning, when I saw that term used, came out, was because it immediately took me to the verses that say that we are not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I thought, I think that's what we're doing at Taylor is we're trying to be a part of this process of renewing minds and so that's how we're that's how we're transformed and that that's something different I think we all want students to leave here after four years as people who have grown and and have changed and hopefully in good ways mm-hmm. and and I think that happens through Christ working in them and so they grow as professionals they grow as all of those other things mm-hmm. but I think that's all a part of that's all part of, again, that whole person growth. Um, I think we go beyond content, and I think we have 
personally and, and for, for students coming in, I think that we can look at integration as um, we put a Bible verse on it. And I don't think that's how the, the faculty here mm-hmm. see it. Just saying, I think when students come in, especially, they might say, let's look at, you know, I, I put a integration in this paper and in this reflection was I ended it with a verse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once I put that in, now I have integrated. Yeah. And and so scripture is important. Mm-hmm. But even the, the idea that, you know, we're moving toward towards scripture engagement mm-hmm. is the idea of how to not just look at scripture, but how to really engage with it. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea is to engage with it at a level that it actually transforms who we are, mm-hmm. as opposed to just, I think about something differently. Mm-hmm. Even now I have to put that into action right. and it has to transform those other things. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, I think what we want and some of these ideas in integrative learning and even some of the, the ideas for, uh, for activities, even though the literature is not looking at faith integration, mm-hmm. I can look at those and I can say, how can this be a part of using integrative learning in the class to deepen that? So when one of the methods is to look at multiple perspectives of things, well, I can do that and we can look at that from the perspective of scripture and we can engage that and not just now look at a verse, but how does that change and how does that change how we look at other perspectives mm. and how does that deepen those things? And so again, if I'm willing to go into things that sometimes make me a little uncomfortable in class or I don't know where a discussion is going to go, or if I'm just asking them to reflect on it and instead of saying, what does this verse mean to you, saying giving a little more direction of, so let's look at the scripture. What does the passage seem to say? How does that interact with this? And as people explore that and reflect on that, and then maybe share their reflections with each other, they learn more perspectives. Mm. They're seeing different perspectives, and now it's enhancing their own understanding. And I really think God can use those kinds of reflections. I think the Holy Spirit can use that time. And I think that 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 discussion about it, mm-hmm. I think, can really be iron sharpening iron. And I think that we can use those those principles and those methods to really deepen that faith integration. Absolutely. I mean, that's what this podcast is, too. I mean, even in how we're talking about, you know, these reflections and sharing our own perspectives on these and inviting people who are listening to to reflect on these and, and you know, they don't get to share them like you and I are sharing right now, but even... Um, how we frame the podcast as a conversation. So, Laura, thanks for being a part of the conversation today. Thanks for helping us think about this differently. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. If you're looking for more ways to get connected to the podcast, you can always email bctlepodcast at taylor.edu. This podcast is a resource that's made possible by the Beattie Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence and is produced by Caroline Paschal. The mission of the BCTLE is to encourage and equip you, our faculty, in your calling as teachers, your care for students, and your designs for learning. We want you to know that we see what you do for your students, and we appreciate everything that you do to create meaningful learning experiences for the whole person enrolled in your class. We hope that this podcast helps you make Monday just a little bit better.